knows how. The beautiful thing is you and I don't have to know the how. We just have to know the who. Come on. I don't know how God's going to do for me what God has promised he will do. But I know that he knows the how. I'm reading from, before we pray, 2 Timothy and 1 and 12. Paul says, For I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he, everyone say he, is able to keep that which I've committed to him. I know in whom I have believed. I don't know in a what. I don't know in a thing, but I know in whom. It's a person. His name is God. The New Living Translation says it this way. For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able. Everyone say, he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Um, before we pray, I remember being about eight years old. My father was an official with the Church of God denomination. I'm very proud of that heritage. And his present post at that time was International Youth Director of the World. We lived in Cleveland. We attended North Cleveland Church of God. That was my home church. I remember going with my mother as she tried out the organ because we had lived or we had worshipped in a very old building. Someone say old building. Old building with pews, but I loved that building. I loved it, Michael. I loved the smell of that building. I love it was in that building that my daddy, which I've preached about before, brought me communion at a very strategic time when I was keeping my little brother as he ran his cars up and down on the pew. I love that my daddy spoke into my destiny at that church. I love that my pastor, Dr. T.L. Lowry, my godfather, was in that church. I loved being in the presence of the Lord. And so my mother went to try out the new organ. And the building, the new building, which is now the old building, only had concrete floors. It had a roof and it had some concrete sides. My mother got up on that big organ and she began to practice the song that would be sung on the first Sunday that we made our way into that building. I remember looking up, I can just see all the visuals even now. I can remember what the walls look like. I remember as an eight-year-old girl thinking, I just don't know how this is going to work. You ever been there? I don't know how this is going to come together. This doesn't look like a church. This doesn't feel like my church. And this is just concrete floors. And as a little girl, I was, I was mesmerized in the space, but I was also scared and discomforted by the change. You ever been there? And then my mother began to play the song. I wish I could sing the whole song for you this morning. But it's an old gospel hymn said, We've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. He's never failed us yet. And then it goes this, Oh, we can't turn back. We've come this far by faith. I remember she kept playing it, and it goes on. It's just a powerful song, and my spirit just felt so like something big is up to work here. God knows what he's doing. Someone say, God knows what he's doing. But they didn't leave it there, Nicole. On the Sunday that we marched from the old building to the new building, the choir had their robes. I was in the junior choir. I went on leading them. That's how I met Brother Perry because that choir traveled with Brother Perry when we were both single. And uh, I was in my little junior choir robe coming behind the big crusaders. It was just a little eight-year-old, and they were singing that song. We sang it as we went from the old building to the new building. I'm going to tell you something this morning. That put in my heart at that season and every season of my life, when you don't know how God's going to do it, you've got to remind yourself, I didn't get here by myself. Come on, somebody. I didn't arrive at this moment by myself. I got here by faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And if he got me here, he's going to get me there. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. 
all over this room let us pray father we welcome your holy spirit for those listening by podcast for those listening in this room speak to us holy spirit mm -mm -mm. you know how dependent i am on you you and you alone know sir so come come in your strength and power whisper what i don't even say speak to your people minister to them encourage them in jesus name and everyone said amen I love that God's redemptive plan is right on schedule. Often we feel responsible for the how, and we just have to know the who. When I was reading through my Bible, Tammy, I got to the point where the three women, Devin, were going to the tomb. And as they were going to the tomb, they were discussing how they were going to roll that stone away. I had to laugh out loud, Nicole, because that stone in front of Jesus' tomb was so heavy, a balancery of soldiers had to put it there. They were discussing how three little women, just reminds me of a woman, doesn't it, sisters? Because we always have to have a plan. Come on, somebody, and you men are no different. You fix anything. Come on, everybody say amen. And they're, dis they're discussing how, is what the New Living Translation says, they're going to move that stone in front of Jesus' body and anoint his body for death. What I love is when they got there, God had already taken care of it. Their discussion, their blueprint, their debriefing on how they were going to do it was to know well effect because God in the middle of the night had sent an earthquake and an angel merely looked at the stone or maybe touched it with his finger and the stone rolled away and the soldiers dropped like dead somebody give God a shout of praise there are times I want to tell you that second Peter 2 and 9 the Lord knows how everyone say the Lord come on work with me we'll go faster the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. He knows how we are formed. We don't need to make decisions today based on the problems in front of us. We need to make decisions based on God's purposes inside of us. Can you say amen? This morning, get close, Jules, to God before getting close to anyone else. Listen to this. Because God without a man is still God. But a man without God is is nothing can you say amen let me tell you something god knows how to overshadow you remember the angel emily said to mary the spirit of the lord shall overshadow you doris and this thing shall be conceived in you which is the son of the living god that overshadowed is powerful when we think about being overshadowed by someone i'm just thinking if bishop jakes was this morning he would overshadow me he is a prince of preachers he would overshadow me in size as well okay but anyway he would overshadow me because he's been at this longer than i have and often we think about that we think about experts overshadowing us like today if i told you i'm going to go down to the greenway this afternoon i'm going to invite all of you to go with me and i'm going to take a herd of pit bulls and I'm going to tame them by my own skill, my wit, and my charm. Come go with me. Well, most of you are thinking, well, I don't know. She's cute. Maybe she could charm some pit bulls. I mean, she's had a bunch of dogs in her life. I don't know, but pit bulls are a different breed. I don't know. But all of a sudden, this man walks in the room, and when he does, he has overshadowed me. Everybody know this man? That Caesar the dog whisperer because he's taken the attention off of me and put it off of him. He's overshadowed me, and that's what we think. Then I tell you I'm going to go to Pigeon Forge because people love my cooking, and they do. And I've cooked for 22 people and 25 people many Sundays. A lot in this room have attended. 
one of our uh, spiritual sons said I knew you could preach, but I thought, my God, there's no way she can cook too. And I could cook. But so I tell you, I'm going to go to Pigeon Forge. I'm going to build a restaurant. I am going to show people how to make butter, butter biscuits, butter, butter chicken, butter steak, butter enchiladas, butter, 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 butter. The more butter I can put in, the butter and the better it's going to be. I'm going to charge about $60 per plate, according to Austin Chadwick. And I'm going to open up my own restaurant. You're all like, oh, she is cute, but she's crazy. She's crazy. She's prayed to us. But then this woman walks in the room, and when she does, oh, yeah, Paula Dean, give it up for Paula Dean. She has overshadowed me, and your attention has come off me, and it's gone on her. You no longer want to hear about my butter biscuits. You want to talk to Paula. You want to buy her $60. And then I tell you that I am going to start a new show. And on this show, I am going to bring talent from all over the world. And they're going to sing, and we're going to judge them. And they're going to make more records than anyone. And in preparation for this, I would say unto Austin, Austin, dim the lights. This is the time for... And then all of a sudden, this guy walks in the room. Who's going to do it? Ryan Seacrest. And all of a sudden, you aren't listening to anything. He really dimmed the lights. Give Austin a hand. I was just playing. And all of a sudden, he's overshadowed me. You no longer are listening to me. You're listening to him because he's an expert in the field. And then I tell you that this morning I came up here very early, about 5 a.m., and underneath each of your seat I have put presents and prizes. And when you get underneath your seat and you see what number you have, when that's done, you are then going to go out into the lobby and everyone is getting a new car today. You're getting a car, and you're getting a car, and you're getting a car, and you're getting a car. And you're like, whoa, well, I, I, you know, they live in a modest house, and she drives a little Toyota, but hey, if she says it, I'll believe it until this woman walks in the room, and all of a sudden, you don't listen to me anymore because you've seen this woman do it. Well, give Oprah a hand. I may disagree with her theology, but she does help people. You see, because they overshadowed me, and we think that's the way the Holy Spirit does. We think that the Holy Spirit comes in and he's going to let things overshadow. No, the way the Holy Spirit overshadows you, he overshadows your weaknesses. So people just see your strengths. He overshadows your lack. He comes into the daily realities where that beautiful, front, brutal frame of where we live puts us in a box and makes us think that everything has to be in order for God to do what God is going to do. We're going to come back to overshadow in a moment, but overshadow means this. God does in a moment what would take a lifetime. It means like an energy pill that'll give you strength. It means like a, a underground subway in London that'll get you from one side of London to the other so fast riding a bicycle won't even be appealing to you. Holy Spirit is the invisible operation of God. He's the hands of God. He comes in to heal addicts. Come on, somebody. He comes in to restore victory. He comes in to restore hope. He comes in to make a new life. And when he does, he says to you out of Psalms 119 and 11, 119, 111, I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Let me tell you something. God shows the world how when he shows your life a written record of what God did when no man could get you up out of the ditch God got you up out of the ditch when God gave you favor you weren't ready for God gave you favor when God gave you promotion that no one thought you could get God himself did it somebody give God a hand clap of praise come on give him a better praise than that it's hot enough in here you ought to really praise him we'll just pretend it's still camp meeting The reason mystery is so fascinating is because when you watch a mystery, think about your favorite mysteries. When you watch a mystery 
you can't really understand because it contains intelligent plot with many facets, many threads, so deep, so well thought out that for a time, we're unable to fathom any design or purpose. I love the movie Murder on the Orient Express. I posted on Facebook that I loved it. I never read it. And my English teacher, Linda Lemons, from Cleveland High School, who's still my friend and goes to North Cleveland, said, Rhonda, you should have read that book when I told you to read that book. Just be careful what you post on Facebook. But I loved that movie because through the whole movie, if you've not seen it, you can go get it on Redbox for $1, people. You can watch the whole movie, and the whole time, you think you can figure it out, but you can't figure it out. When I was growing up in church, we loved to, this is what preacher kids do, we would quote scripture to each other. And if there was a boy's get on my last nerve, I say, God works in mysterious ways, and you are without a doubt one of his greatest mysteries. And that's what I would say. We love mysteries when it's on the screen. We love it that underneath something's going on that later becomes plain, but we can't figure it out. That's why we love to read mysteries. That's why we watch mysteries. That's why Law and Order has 17 things, Law and Order, with your pets, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, and your Aunt Jemima. Someone say amen. Because we love mysteries. But sometimes a mystery is not so fun, Tara, when it has to do with our life. When we see a plot moving along, Peggy, but we can't quite figure it out, Karen. How does this part fit into my life? This was going along and then now this. How does this fit the mystery of what God is doing in my life? I'm going to tell you this morning that God is a divine orchestrator. In a moment, I'm going to passage through just a few moments through a wonderful passage in the book of Kings and how God orchestrated and God made arrangements. Let me tell you, God will get you at the right place. Someone say the right place at the right time. He will get you there. You don't have to depend on man. He may use man, but he'll get you if you trust him. I remember in 1985, a woman named Kathy Payne came to this church to buy a set of seed of, no, they've been tapes, cassettes of a women's conference that I had just hosted. At that conference was supposed to be a woman named Mary Ann Brown. Mary Ann Brown canceled me on Friday morning of the conference. When my secretary, Barbara Selle, called me, I almost passed out. I went into freak zone. It took pastor and my best friend, Melissa, who was staying with me for the conference, to pick me up off out the floor. And they said, the word is in you. I called Dr. Fuchsia Pickett. You don't know her, but oh, you would love her. She's in heaven, my spiritual mama. And I said, please come and speak. She said, no. The word is in you. I thought, well, my goodness, I'm going to go shuck a piece of corn because I don't feel like the word's in me. You ever been there? But anyway, I went on to that conference and I did what the Lord, and I had to take my place and Mary Ann Brown's place. Well, Kathy Payne didn't know anything about me. She came here to buy the six-pack tapes to hear Mary Ann Brown. I happened to be included in the six-pack. I was at the hospital with Pastor Hank who had broken his back in a four-wheeling accident in 1985 with a dear friend of his. They were hunting and they fell off of a mountain. You've heard him talk about it. I'm at the hospital. I want you to get this visual. God is a divine orchestrator. At the worst moments of your life, God knows how to open doors for you that you are not qualified for, but he qualified you for. Can you say amen? And I get a call from Kathy Payne. She said, I know you don't know me, but I went. She told me to get Mary Ann Brown because I wanted to use Mary Ann Brown. But there you were in the middle of that six-pack. I loved it. There you were preaching a sermon. I got through your sermon on Abraham and how he moved. Boy, I hadn't preached that a long time. How he moved from tent to tent. I pulled over on the side of the road. I only tell you this to honor the Holy Spirit. She said, I couldn't breathe. I began crying so hard. And Holy Spirit said, you went looking for Mary Ann Brown, but it is Pastor Rhonda Davis that's going to connect with you and preach all over the world. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. What he does for one, he'll do for other. From that, I went with her to preach in Canada, Australia, 
Ireland, twice in England. I went to 14 different states with people came from 52 states all over the country. Let me tell you something. God is a divine orchestrator. He knew where Abraham lived and he got him even though he was on the backside of nowhere. He knew where Moses was. He knew where Gideon was. He knew where David was. He knew where Samuel was. He knew where Esther was. He knew who Saul was. And God knows where you are today. He knows how to get resources into your hand. He knows how to lift you up above your circumstances. God knows how to heal you, provide for you, bless you, prosper you, anoint you, use you. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. And God has been genuinely tested. This morning, if I passed out two uh, number two pencils to you Tara and I began to put uh, proctors at the door you all would go into a nervous fit because it would remind you of testing at school it would remind you of the SAT, ACT and all the other I want to be tests that we've had to go through in our life but let me tell you something we hate testing except when someone tests the brakes on our car can I get an amen we hate testing until someone tests our vehicle and says it's road worthy. We hate testing until the DMV tests young people, and maybe we should do a little better job, I don't know, to test DMV, test young people to drive. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get on the road with no 16-year-old, 15-year-old, 80-year-old, 40-year-old who has not at least driven in a car with an officer one time. Can I get amen? And sometimes, though, we've got to remember that God has been tested. Look at your neighbor and say, God has been tested. Let me just tell you, God knows everything. That's how he's the how. He knows the how because we know the who. God knows everything about everyone. His eyes roll back and forth across the cosmos faster than we can scan the words on a page. But you don't think he knows how to take care of you. He could start with Adam and make every man, name every man and woman and child who's ever lived till this point and who will ever live until Jesus comes back. He doesn't wrestle with mystery, mysteries. He doesn't need to wait for a polygraph. He never knew what it was like to have a teacher, a role model, an advisor, or a therapist, a loan officer, a doctor, or a mother. He is God all by himself. He says, to whom will you compare me in the book of Job? Who is my equal? Look up into the heavens. Who else created the stars by name and calls them out by name? And they report to him and say, here we are. In fact, one translation in the Hebrew says, the stars line up like a mighty host. But you don't think he knows how to take care of you. He said, see who created this. Who else has measured the waters in the hall of his hands? Which means he has held the Pacific in his right hand. Oh, but he don't know how to take care of you. He don't know how to get you that house. He don't know how to bring you that significant other. Oh, no, no. So you take matter into your own hands and screw up your whole life. Come on, somebody. Someone say, trust the who. He knows how. Look at your neighbor. Say, trust the who. He knows how. You see, he says he commands the morning. He calls the dawn to know its place. Sisters, this is one of the most beautiful passages to me because I envision him according to what he says about himself, that he causes the dawn to know its place, which means he takes the dawn and this is the way the, the Bible says, and you study every translation, and he brings the dawn over to the night, and he brings the dawn and makes the sun come out. He says, so those who do evil will scatter like ants in a field. That is my God. Someone say, that is my God. He feeds the ravens. He said, do you feed the lions? 
when the young ones cry unto you, what he's saying is even the young lions in the desert, even the young lions in the field where there is no human walking that earth, their little babies sometimes can't find food and they cry out to their creator. I don't know how, but we can ask for that videotape when we get to heaven. But somehow he feeds them. He marks the months till the deer gives birth in the forest. And amazing to all of us, he is the only one, he says, who can approach a dinosaur with a sword. Read it. He's the only one that a dinosaur, which is called the Bahamut, he can approach with a sword and it will allow him. Someone say, that's my God. Caleb, that's the God that is your who, who knows how to take care of you. He says, are you able to catch a crocodile and make it be a slave on a string? He's given you a visual. He walks up to a crocodile. He tells it to be its slave, and it walks with him like, not a man, but it walks with him like a precious pet. Can you pet a crocodile like a bird? No, and if you try, you will never forget that moment because God is God all by himself. The God who feeds the lions, the God who pets the crocodile, is the God who's engraving your name on the palm of his hand. Your unfinished business is ever before his eyes, and he's not going to fail you. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on. Come on. After that discourse, Job said, I know that you can do everything and no purpose of yours can be withheld. Isaiah 46, I am the one who simultaneously sees the beginning and the end. I declare from the end of the beginning, says the Lord, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. Meaning God knows how. God knows how to minister to you. He told Moses, I am that, I am that I, say it again, I am that. If he is the I am, then he's the center of everything. He is running the show. He's the same every day and forever. He's the owner of everything. He's the Lord. He's the creator and sustainer of life. He's the savior. He's more than enough. He's inexhaustible and immeasurable. He is God. And if his name is I am, you and I need to know this morning. I'm going to say you. I'm saying about me, but for you to make it personal. You are not the center of everything. You are not in control. You can try as hard as you want, but God will loosen that control out of your hand every single time. You are not the solution. You're not all-powerful. You're not calling the shots. You're not the owner of everything. You are not the Lord. You're not running anything. You're not the head of anything. You're not in charge of anything when it comes to God. You're not the maker. You're not the savior. You're not the sustainer. You're not the all-knowing God. And for that should give you peace instead of frustration. So give him a shout of praise this morning. Come on. Come on. Takes a lot of pressure off of you this morning. First Kings in 17, a somewhat familiar passage that this middle to the end will revolve around where God shows us how he knows how to make divine arrangements. Look at someone and say, God knows how to make divine arrangements. 1 Kings 17, Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Elijah, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed you. This God who sends his prophet after he's done a mighty work you see, listen to me. You're someone's answer to prayer today. Yes, you are. Your story, your life. Elijah was an answer to Israel. He confronted the evil 
Ahab and Jezebel. You might want to read Jonathan Kahn's book, The Paradigm Shift, and he'll tell you who's the modern day Jezebel Ahab, but I ain't going to go there this morning on record. I'll let you read his book. But they were evil, and they were trying to hurt Israel. And Elijah came in from nowhere. We don't know where he came from. We don't know who his parents was. All we know is that God knew the how, and God got him there. And he commanded there, he commanded there'd be no rain. He was going to show them that God was in control. And God was going to cause ravens to feed the prophet. Listen to me. If God can make dirty birds, everyone say dirty birds. Ravens are nothing but dirty birds. If he can cause them to feed a prophet in the middle of the desert, if he can call them to pick up food, ravens feed off of, of uh, like crows off of dead things. But if he can cause them to drop they were dirty birds in Israel's mind to drop food without eating the food into the hands of Elijah, then God can speak to a banker and give you a loan when you're not qualified. Someone say amen. Then God can step you up for promotion when you're not qualified. Then God can make the last years of your life the better years of your life. God can cause the latter end of you. I feel this for so many people. I heard it from Nicole during worship that God would make her latter half of her life greater than her first half. Someone give God praise for that. Sense that by the Spirit. But I sense it for me and for you as well. But it dropped like a rhema word. You see, when God enters the equation, God multiplies. Tara, God is only offended by your small dreams. He is not offended by your big dreams. If your big dreams coincide with how God is going to minister to people. On down in this verse, there's a woman who is dying. She's facing famine. Her and her child are fixing to die. She's written her obituary. Just like people underneath the sound of my voice here or by podcast, we've said it's too late for me. It's over for me. I don't have enough strength for this. I don't have the right credit for this. I don't have the right ability for this. The, the day has come and gone. You see, we write in our mind. We let the voices of discouragement and doubt tell us your best anointing, your best um, job, your best opening, your best relationship is behind you. You're just going to have to pull yourself along in life and get scraps off of the field. Let me tell you, they told Ruth the same thing, but what they forgot was God was watching over Ruth and there was an earthly Boaz that connected with her heavenly Boaz and he saw Ruth. Humility always gets God's attention. He saw Ruth working hard. He saw Ruth seeking the ways of God and he said that's who I want to spend the rest of my life with that's who I want to share my millions with that's who I want to bless let me tell you if you're in the right place doing the right thing you've got a heavenly Boaz whether you're a man or a woman this morning observing you he can write the check that can turn it all around you're just one good break away from things coming to your favor somebody give the Lord a praise this morning and there she is. She could have given up. And you could give up, Brooke. You could give up, Peggy. You could give up. But as Holly Wagner says, one of my favorite statements, it's very selfish of us to give up in the tough times. There are people we're supposed to help on the other side of this battle. People I'm supposed to help. Elijah was helping Israel. God was showing how. And God was showing he was the who. I know in whom I have believed in. I've believed in a lot of people. And I'll continue to believe in people. I'll believe in them. I'll call out their godness. But at the end of the day, there's only one I put my faith completely in. And it is him. And you should be the same way. I know whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep everything I'm going to commit. But listen, here is the clause. Here is the small writing. Everything I've committed unto him. Those things I try to do in my own strength, my own force. 
I get tired of waiting on God. I'm telling you, there's only one thing worse waiting on God, and that is not waiting on God and getting what you should have never had. Only one thing I will, only one thing worse than not waiting on God, and that is not waiting on Him. And you putting your hand, I've watched Hope Sisters, I've watched people I've pastored for years get tired of waiting, whether it was for a spouse, waiting for a breakthrough. And you get this, and they think you're just trying to be spiritual. Wait on God, wait on God. Let me tell you something. This is the deal. Most of us that say that, we know what it's like to not wait on God. We're in a generation that there's a ticker tape going so fast that the news changes every 24 hours, and especially if we have a president that, that just makes things change every 24 hours. I'm very happy about that, but I'm leaving that alone. Success is remaining thought, faithful to the process. If you don't wait on God, it may be frustrating, it may be painful, but waiting time is never wasted time. Someone say it. Waiting time is never wasted time. The same grace that got you to start your journey wherever you are is the same grace that will help you to stay committed till God comes on the scene and He finishes the task. I've seen people marry out of purpose. I've seen people marry people they shouldn't have if they've just waited. And I've seen other people. My uh, parents, best friend Mary, my daddy used to say, Courtney, you remember Mary's too little? He said, Mary's too picky. Mary's too picky. Mary's beautiful. Mary had a little apartment behind North Cleveland Church. God, this is a place called People Street Apartment. Back in this day, it was beautiful. Before it got condemned, it was horrible. But when it was beautiful, Mary lived in there. And she was like my own Mary Tyler Moore. Can I get a hand of anybody ever watched Mary Tyler Moore? Come on now, come on. Just a few of us, I'm telling you. Who can turn the world on? Okay, anyway. But you don't know that. You'll have to watch it. But she was awesome. And Daddy kept saying, Mary's too picky. Mary's too picky. And Mom would say, no, Mary's not too picky. Mary's waiting for the right one. Mary's waiting for the right one. Listen to this. When Mary got to be about 54, there was an awesome, wealthy businessman, man of God, minister, who all, he was an entrepreneur, but he also ministered. His wife, unfortunately, uh, was taken to heaven by a horrible disease. They connected within two years. Mary not only married a man of God and a handsome man of God. I'll bring him in here today and show you to you if I need to. And she's a beautiful woman. They're both in their 80s now. They still look good. I run into them all the time. She married him. She not only married the purposes of God, but she married into a blessing of God. Because she said, the Lord told me a long time ago, Mary, don't you marry till I, the Lord, say it's right. I'm going to tell you something. We need to celebrate our successes along the way, not curse our surroundings and curse the waiting time because then we diminish on keeping our focus on he who knows how to bring all things together. Somebody give him another shout of praise. Come on. God's way is not always the best way if you're looking for convenience, but it is in terms of purpose. God's way is not always the best way. He took the children of Israel a long, mighty way to get them to the promised land. God's way is not the best if you want the shortest distance between two points. But God's way is not the best way if all you want is maximum happiness in this moment. I just got to be happy this moment, this moment, this moment. I can't wait. I got to be happy. I got to be happy. God's way is the best way if you really want what God wants for you instead of saying, I'm going to get what I want when I want it. Can someone say amen? His timing, His direction, His ability to orchestrate all the steps of your life, they are worth waiting for. Isaiah 30, 18, I'll move on. God's not finished from the Message Bible. He's waiting around to be gracious to you. Someone say, He's waiting around. He's waiting around to be gracious to you. He's gathering strength to show mercy to you. God takes the time to do everything right 
everything. Those who wait around for him are the blessed one. You want to be the blessed one this morning? Then you keep your feet planted and you wait on the Lord. You see, God's model for each of us is different. Someone say different. It's different. He always knows what each person in this room needs. Someone say amen. Come on, stay right in with me. We got about 15 more minutes. You see, God works differently with Nicole than he does with me. God works differently with Joshua than he does with me. God works differently with Todd than he does with me. God works differently with Keith than he does with me because God knows how and God knows who we are and he knows who he is. You see, he had Abraham take a walk, but he had Elijah take a nap. He had Joshua take a lap, and he had Adam, Adam take a rap. That took a while to come up with that. He gave Moses a 40-year timeout. He gave David a harp and a dance. He gave Paul a pen and a scroll. He wrestled with Jacob. He argued with Job. He whispered to Elijah. He warned Cain. He comforted Hagar. He gave Aaron an altar. He gave Miriam a song. He gave Gideon a fleece. He gave Peter a new name. He gave Elisha a mantle. Jesus was stern with a rich young ruler, but he was tender with a woman caught with adultery. He was patient with the disciples, but he was like a blistering fox against the scribes and the Pharisees. He was gentle with the children, and he graced the thief on the cross. God never mass produces his ways. The way he works with you is the best way. Don't compare it to anybody else. Don't put yourself in the comparison trap. God had Noah build an ark, but Enoch walked on into heaven. God gave David a stone, but God had Abraham look for a city whose foundation and builder was God. God used Esther to fast, and God used Deborah to war. It is good, it is good, it is good, whatever God is doing in you you today somebody praise him hallelujah somebody praise him he knows the how return to your rest on my soul for the Lord has been good to you Psalms 116 return to my rest Rhonda return to your rest when you feel inadequate when you feel overdrawn emotionally and physically whatever you face return to your rest God said it is good centuries before Jesus said it is finished it's godly to be content with the process. He knows the how. Elisha goes on, he goes to the brook. I'm, I love to preach this passion. It's not really what I'm here. I'm just using it as a base. The brook dried up. There'd been no rain. And then he says, I need you to move on. I need you to move on because I've commanded a widow. This is interesting to me. First, God speaks to ravens, dirty birds, and they carry food in their mouth, which is so against a raven, and drop it clean into the prophet's hand. He drinks by the brook, and then God said, there's this widow. I love this for what it doesn't say. But I can read later, and I can figure out what it says. There's this woman who thinks her life is over. There's this woman who thinks she's fixing to prepare her last meal, and she's done. There's this woman, and you're going to go there. You see, the book of Isaiah 49 says a verse that we often quote. Can a mother forget her child that she has nursed at the breast? That's possible. But I will not forget you. I have engraved you in the palm of my hands. We studied with Beth Moore, remember sisters and Esther, that we're in a tight fist of fear. We have to remember that God has a tight fist on us. We all get afraid for different things. But God says, the reason it's engraved because I've got a top fist on you. I know how to get you through this. I am the who that will get you through this. And he's on his way to the widow. Joshua, would you come and help me? I've got a little bit more to 
passage, about 10 more minutes, but just hang with me. God tells Israel, I am zealous for you. And God tells us, I'm zealous for you. And he's zealous for this widow. God knows how to meet her need. I can only imagine what she feels. She has no money. She's a believer because she calls God by the right name. And she's there and she's at that horrible place. And she only has a little bit to cook one meal and she's dead. And she's not just being dramatic. She knows that this is her end. But I love that God says, I am zealous for my people, which means I am capable. I want you to say, he is capable of the most notable deeds. It means to boil red in face. It means a person with great passion. If God was zealous for me, but he had no power to back it up, big deal. Have you ever had people say, oh, I hate that. I wish I could do something. And you know they can't. They can't. They can't do anything. But when God says, I'm zealous for you, it means I've got the power to back it up. I've got the power. And he comes, and here's the biggest, one of the biggest negative statements. We all want to watch our words. Our words are very powerful. You know how much I teach on words. That's not today's lesson. But I want to show you when God covers you, when you say stupid stuff. But this was the truth. She wasn't being dramatic. She wasn't imagining it. He asked her to feed himself. She was at the... She, in verse 9, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. I've commanded a widow there to provide for you, which means God had already made the arrangements. He didn't need a travel itinerary. He didn't need to book a jet. He didn't need any of that. God had already made the arrangements. And she's going to provide for you. And a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called her and said, please bring a morsel of bread. And she said, surely as God lives, I don't have bread. I've got like a handful of flour. And I've got a little oil. Everyone say little oil. But God wanted her to focus on the God who multiplies things. On the God that makes possible what is impossible. The God who could overshadow her. And so she cooked him the meat. And it goes on. She, I mean, she cooked the pancake is what I like to call it. I like to call her Lady Z. I have a sermon on that. That's not for today. She cooks the pancake. She feeds him. She did what he said to do. And the bin of flour, verse 16, was not used up, nor the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. So there's a miracle there. There's a multiplication. God overshadows. Would you just do this right here? You already have everything you need inside of you. That hand is demonstrating. God's already put everything inside of you that you need. You just need him to bless it. He's already put all the gifts, the strength, the courage. Everything you need is inside of you. He just needs to multiply it. Moses' mom was praying for deliver, but the deliverer was inside her womb. His name was Moses. Everything you have, you just need the Lord. You can put your hands down to overshadow it. But the most amazing thing happened as we turn toward the very end of this message. Hang with me, if you will. The most amazing thing happened is the little boy, life left him. Scholars are back and forth whether he died or had no life. 98.5% of scholars, 99.5, forgive me, agree that the boy died and she says this to him when, when the boy dies prophet have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance it's funny how sometimes when we hit bad things we think oh somewhere in my childhood I must have done something horrible I, I, there must have been one thing that God's not going to forgive or in my adulthood Leah I remember um, in 1981 married to a cocaine addict. His name was Hank, but it's not the man you know today. That man died a long time ago. 
our phones have been disconnected. He was a cocaine addict, as you know, and um, I was a children's pastor. Our church was about three and a half miles away in Orange County, and our phones were disconnected. Um, the keys were hidden from me. I couldn't call anybody to come get me. I knew my children were dependent upon me, and I prepared my message. It was raining in Southern California, and I just decided I'd walk. So I walked three and a half miles to my church with my children's church novel in hand. This is in Orange County. Today, this place is called Little Vietnam, but at that time, it was Orange County. And as I walked, I said to God, why have you let this happen to me? I served you my whole life. I, I didn't do drugs. You know, we always just look to some big thing, you know, which I'm sure I did a lot of other things. But Lord, I lived for you my whole life. I prayed about this marriage, and, and here I am. I'm married to an addict. I, they've repossessed everything. We got one card. They came for the card the next day. My husband's crazy. I got nothing. I'm 19 years old. What did I do? What did I do somewhere, some along the line? What did I do that you didn't forgive me for? Why are you, why are you letting this happen? Are you paying me back for something? My theology was so wrong. You know, the Lord didn't discourse, discuss with me that theology. This is what he said. And I feel like this is for you, Leela. I promise you a miracle. But he didn't say when and he didn't say how. He said, I promise you a miracle. I walked the rest of the way to church and that day I left my husband. I'll leave that story there for that's another time. Of course, as you know, we were restored three years later. But I'm going to tell you today, stop editing yourself. This woman is editing herself. She's judged herself. We've all watched way too much court TV. And we don't even need a judge to say to us, 14 years of you living scraps off the table because of what you did. You stole from people. You'll never have a good name. You did this. You lost your children. You did this. You lied. You did this. You took from other people. I'm not speaking to this group. I'm speaking to this group. You did this. You did. And we self-serve. We self-serve our self-judgment. Even though the Bible says that mercy without judgment will be shown to anyone who cannot show mercy. Let me tell you something. You need to stop editing yourself. You need to stop being embarrassed. You need to stop tying yourself up in knots. Isaiah 49 and 23 says, All those who trust in the Lord will not be ashamed. Shame is a temporary feeling, a temporary feeling going through, but ashamed is a final verdict. God knows the final verdict on your life. He knew it was what it was over this woman. God knows the how and God is the who. And you need to tell yourself what the blood already said. Stop backing up in your authority. Stop backing up in your position. Stop backing up in your blessing. Stop backing up with your word. Stop letting the Satan scare you with fear and make Make you a cowardly lion. You are dragging out from underneath the blood of Jesus what Jesus covered with his own life. Someone give Jesus a praise this morning. Come on, somebody give Jesus a praise. You'll stand all over this building this morning as I finish. That boy was resurrected, if you don't know that. When Holy Spirit overshadows you, you can keep going. 
getting used to the rattle in your car like the hum in that washing machine that you just put your hand over and you do this and you turn the music up and all of that. That's a whole message I love to teach because it's just things that rattle, fear that rattles in us, discouragement. I used to not let Pastor Hank ride in the car with me when I was young because he'd always hear a sound and he said, it don't sound right. We need to take that to the mechanic. I said, oh no, that's no sound. I just turn the music up real loud and I worship. And no one hears that sound. He said, well, you're going to enjoy that sound when you're in the ditch, baby. And that car doesn't work. But you see, I didn't want to be inconvenienced. You got me? I didn't want the car to be put in the shop for three days. I mean, even though most of my life I've lived without a car, but still, I even took a taxi a few times. Come on, somebody. You'll get where you want to go if you want to be there. But here's the deal. We, we just we get impressed with our ability to go on. And we don't want to be inconvenienced. And so we drag those things around with us, those pain, those insecurities, those fear. We're all impressed with your ability to improvise. And I'm sure many have been impressed unknowingly with my ability in my past to just drag those things with me that were weighing me down like a washing machine. I just turned the music up louder. I would just overlook it. But I remember when God said to me through Psalms 44 and 21, during the time of my own inner healing, shall not God search this out for he knows the secret places of the heart. I sat with someone this week who shared an inner healing and where they, I wasn't surprised at all how powerful it was because I said, where did you go? They told me, I said, those people are in the flow. I know there was in another state. I know those people, they're in the flow. When I went through inner healing, it was just me and Holy Spirit. When he healed the recesses of my heart, when he said, you've got bitterness back here and you've got discouragement back here and insecurity and you've got anger over here and fear and I want to use you, but you keep just dragging everything with you to the next place because you don't want to take time for me to heal you. You don't want to take time out and go to the mechanic shop, which is the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 and 26 says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. But we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. I remember when He overshadowed me and healed me. He does this for this woman. And He raises her son and He gets her life back on. But I remember when He healed my inward part. But you know, it doesn't stop there. There's still times I hear Him say, Rhonda, oh, you let that snake over the wall again, baby. Yeah, he can call me whatever he wants. You've let that thing creep in again. You've let that deception. You've let that I can do this. You've let that discouragement. You've let this creep in. Oh, but Lord, I got so much to do. I got to help people. He'll say, but I've got more to flow through you. And I need my spirit to come through like a water into the nooks and crevices and the crannies and heal and wash out those things. People in this room today, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's that habit you've battled with a long time. Maybe it's been that feeling of not approved or not acclaimed or no one's noticing you. You feel lost. I want to tell you something today. Holy Spirit can overshadow. I really don't know how. And as I sat with this person this week and they told me about their inner healing, we were eating Mexican food, but I couldn't stop but just weeping. It wasn't planned because it's tender to me the way he healed me. He healed me and the end result was restoring me to my husband, but he healed me because he had purpose for me. My God knew how because I knew the who. Today, 
there's just some things I think he just wants to begin a process. I'm not expecting that everything's going to be done for you today, but I'm expecting it's going to begin today. I'm expecting the healing's going to begin today. I expect that he's going to reach deep into some areas. I know whom I have believed in. I'm persuaded that he is able. He's able to heal and restore. The God who told Noah, it's going to rain, build an ark. It sounded crazy, but he did. The God who told Abraham, look for a country. The God who told Moses, lift your rod. The God who told Joshua, seven times, be quiet, then shout. The God who told Esther, the God who told David to take a stone. The God who told Mary to give birth to Christ. It all sounded crazy, but yet, you know what happened? Noah did build that ark and the people were saved. It sounded crazy, but Abraham did get that promise. It sounded crazy, but Moses did lift that rod. And he did tell Pharaoh, let my people go. It did sound crazy, but Joshua did shout and the walls fell. Esther did save Israel. And Mary did give birth to Jesus Christ. And Jesus did come. And he did save the world. And today he's at the right hand of God Almighty. And in the book of Revelation, come on, give him a praise. And in the book of Revelation, it says, And I saw heaven open. And I saw he who sat on a white horse. And his eyes were like a flaming fire. And upon his thigh was a name written that no one knew but he himself but upon his head was written the faithful and the true one let me tell you you know the who his name is Jesus if he can walk a crocodile if he can walk an alligator if he can feed a lion in the desert he knows how to bring the pieces he's a divine orchestrator you're one step one setup away from God doing supernaturally above all that you could ask think or hope because you are the children of the most high God you are highly favored by Jesus give him one big praise come on hallelujah would you just lift your hands to him I'm done and close your eyes no one moving just for a moment thank you Jesus thank you Jesus hallelujah for I, the Lord, will not leave you until I have finished that which I promised. I, the Lord, will not turn away till it is all completed, and then I will not turn away from you. It is by my spirit and not by your might that I accomplish that which I have preordained for you. I can arrange, I can orchestrate, I can make happen if you put your trust in me. But remember what my servant said. He said from his prison cell, my son Paul, I know in whom I believed in, and I'm persuaded he is able to keep that which I've committed. But you must commit your future to my hand. Why do you weary yourself trying to make it happen? Why do you weary yourself writing your own plans as if you yourself could roll the stone away? You cannot, but I, the Lord, can. And I am in your midst today to remind you I am the God 
God who knows how and I am the who and all you need to know is me and put your trust in me and I the Lord will bring mighty things through you and to you for this very day there are others on the other side waiting for you to walk in greater fulfillment waiting for you to walk in greater freedom they are waiting for you to walk into wholeness that I have preordained for you says the Lord this day I am in your midst receive my word with faith and see what I the Lord am able to do in Jesus name everyone say amen come on give the Lord a clap for receiving that word from him thank you Holy. come on thank you Holy Spirit thank you Holy Spirit now as every eye is closed Lord your word says and you've just said to us that you want to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think Even now, I, the Holy Spirit, weep at the very throne room of God Almighty. I intercede for you, His children, that you would hold fast, for I see the wheels turning that God has put in motion. I see the wheels like Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord. And the wheels of God can move forward. They can move back way. They can move sideways. Either side, says the Spirit of the Lord. I weep now before the throne room of God, making intercession for you, His children, that you would see what He sees for your life. In the moments of darkness, you would see in eyes of faith. In the moment that you are waiting, you would hold on and not take matters into your own hand. For I know, says the Lord, the place plans I have for you. They are not just good plans, but they are mighty plans, says the Lord. You could not conceive it in your own mind, nor could you write it out in a blueprint of your own making. But trust in me, says the Spirit of the Lord, and stand and see what God can do in your life. Hear the cry of the Spirit before the throne room this day for you, God's children. Someone give the Lord another hand clap of praise in this house. Come on. Just hang with us. Just one more moment. Hang with us. Come on. Come on. Lift your hands with eyes closed toward heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.